Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my co-host. We've been doing this for, this is our 13th year. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. We're always looking to help you move into the top 10%. That could be you, could be your team. And, you know, what are the few things that you could do a little differently? What are the few things that you could do a little bit more? And these days we're talking about emotional brilliance. So in that moment, how do you bring forth, how do you summon your strengths? How do you summon your past successes so that in the moment you can be the best? And so our new book, Emotional Brilliance is available on uh, Amazon, and it's this idea, emotional brilliance, how do you expand, improve, and select just the right uh, emotional competencies to master the moment. And so today we have with us um, the Executive Officer of Uniformed Operations from the uh, Camden County Police Department, and his name is uh, Thomas Collins. And he began his career in law enforcement in 2003. Tom holds a Bachelor of Science and also a Doctor of Chiropractic degrees. And he has served uh, in the Neighborhood Response Team and Detective Bureau during the time in his Camden Police uh, Department. He's currently assigned as the Executive Officer of the Uniformed Operations for uh, Deputy Chief uh, Verticelli. And Sergeant Collins has earned numerous certificates in uh, his course of law enforcement career, including hostage and crisis negotiation from the FBI. He serves as an instructor at the Camden County College for Police Academy and in service instructor at the Camden uh, Police Department. And let me say a word about Kathy, and Kathy, then you'll you know feel free to you know jump back in because you you know. Uh, Tom Collins here. And Kathy, as you know, uh, has been coaching executives and leaders in their entire company for years and years uh, and years, and has a lot of you know, expertise around happiness and around emotional intelligence. Our new book, uh, Emotional Brilliance, is uh, bringing forward a lot of those tools. She has you know, many best-selling books, um, What Happy Working Mothers Know, What Happy Companies Know, and... Um, her book, Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus, that works with folks in uniform. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Riley. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have uh, Tom with us today, Sergeant Collins, uh, from the uh, actually nationally famous Camden uh, Police Department. And uh, I'm not sure if our audience is aware, because most of those who are in our audience are focused on uh, industry, but uh, the Camden Police Department uh, is a model uh, policing organization uh, across the United States. And so we are so blessed uh, and honored to have uh, Sergeant Collins with us today. So we won't waste a lot of time uh, with um, a huge introduction here. But before we uh, bring Tom on, I would like to just make sure that our audience realizes that uh, my favorite coach and co-host, uh, Relly Nadler, I hope you're giggling, um, is uh, both a master level certified executive coach, psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. And certainly Relly brings all of his legendary expertise uh, in the science of emotional intelligence to pretty much every aspect of the business world and keynotes, consulting, coaching, and certainly uh, is well known for his most effective book and I think most popular book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, because it provides so many with hundreds of tools to be your best. And he also has a free iApp called Leadership Keys, which you can uh, download from your app store. Uh, we are really excited today to bring out 
uh, a number of elements that also cross over into the healthcare industry, and Relly is focused on that as well uh, in his book, Physician Burnout. What we're going to talk about today, which is, uh, to me, a really important topic, and maybe to many of you, I hope it is by the end of today's show, and that is how do we approach the, uh, I'll say that the current environment that policing is um, is erupting into and is suffering from. Uh, it's a, a very chaotic time for people who have depended on law enforcement for their safety. Um, they're the first people, our first line of defense uh, in our communities and in our neighborhoods when something happens. And uh, we need, in most cases, uh, domestic diplomacy, uh, whether it's a car accident, um, your home has been, um, you know, uh, burglarized, your children are missing from their after-school program. You know, we forget many of the things that we think of when we hear uh, police officer. Um, we, many of us will remember our first interaction with the police officer was in grade school, uh, when they would come often with their, uh, their dogs to, uh, show us what they do in the community and how to approach them for support and assistance. And now here we are in a position where, uh, policing is becoming a, a negative, uh, word in many, uh, communities. And so today we're going to talk about along with the environment that we are all facing, whether it be a post-COVID pandemic environment where there's high stress uh, and uh, the ongoing evolution of what we're seeing in communities as a need for a new kind of policing, uh, we are going to really share with you some insights from one of the individuals who disbanded an entire police department uh, with his uh, his brothers and sisters in arms uh, and the government in New Jersey and rebuilt it from scratch. So uh, just to make sure that all of you also remember that we are uh, honoring uh, our uh, police departments by having this program today and to learn more uh, about what policing is about and why many of us, including myself, serve as instructors uh, in what are now called the public safety academies because they are truly about public safety and not simply about what we think in our uh, minds um, as we see these headlines run across the news uh, that they are um, anything but peacekeepers. Police officers are, in fact peacekeepers. And we often forget that in order to do that job, uh, you have to have a warrior mindset and you have to learn mental toughness skills to be able to do that job. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Kathy. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today. Well, thanks, Tom. We have some uh, questions that we're going to you know, ask you. And just for our our audience has a little uh, prelim. You know, this is from Politico um, uh, news report. You know, over the past two weeks, Camden has become an example of reform that works, cited in many articles. Uh, and the reforms produce real change in statistics. So we want to kind of ask you about that. Excessive use of force rates plummeted, homicide rate decreased. New incentives uh, laid the groundwork for a completely new understanding of what it meant to be a good cop. So we're so happy that you're you're here, Tom, because like we said, you're certainly a role model, your organization for the nation, like Kathy was saying. So tell us a little bit more maybe about yourself, your your background, and, and kind of your focus on leadership in the Camden Police Department these days. Sure. So uh, in, in uh, 2012, uh, I was a police officer in another town, uh, in a a suburban town, and I saw an ad for the Camden County Police Department, which was going to be the new version of the Camden City Police Department. 
Uh, it was decided that things could not continue in Camden, which was typically one of the most violent cities in America per capita, year after year after year. And the chief of police at the time, uh, Chief Scott Thompson and other uh, politicians got together and they came up with this idea to basically reinvent the police department here in Camden City, and they called it the Camden County Police Department. I thought it was intriguing because when do you actually see a new police department ever being created? It, it's never happened in my lifetime, uh, so I thought this was interesting. I did a lot of research. I knew that you know Camden had a reputation for being dangerous and whatnot, but I saw an opportunity to get in on the ground floor with this new agency and to learn from the, the, the superior commanders about the city and how policing and then all of the new aspects that were going to be employed with the new police department. So starting with the motto, service before self, that was the core that everything else was um, built around with the new police department. We were a service agency first and foremost, and that really laid the groundwork for the rest of the success that we've had here in Camden County. So you know, Tom, I came in. I'm uh, just going to ask you. Go ahead. Tom, can you hear me? Yep. I was just going to say we're going to take a quick break, so I was just going to ask you to hold that thought and oh, sure. don't go away <laughs> because we're going to be right back to Leadership Development News. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, Books and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness, and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL, or return on leadership. You can, too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you're truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Sergeant Tom Collins. And before the uh, the break, Tom, you were saying how you got uh, saw an ad uh, in 2012. Maybe... Talk a little bit about kind of, you know, once you got um, on the force and 
And what were the motivations for the Camden Police uh, Department, you know, back in two thir- 2013 to, to, you know, make some of these changes and, and to have the impact that we see today? So, yes. Yeah, so, uh, like I was saying before the break, uh, Camden historically was considered one of the most dangerous cities in America, even though it's only nine square miles and 80,000 people. Uh, that live in the city here. It was just a dangerous place, and a lot of uh, changes need to be made. So the decision was made to create a new police department and really focus on community policing, uh, which basically, you know, we hear that term in the news a lot lately, and it means different things to different people. A lot of departments have like a unit or different officers that will go out and do some community policing, but it's a core value here in Camden County, meaning that every officer is encouraged and it's expected actually to get out of the police cars, to talk to people, talk to residents, talk to the storekeepers, put a put a face to a name type of thing so it's just not, you know, uh, a police car riding down the street every once in a while. So we started to do that. And it turns out that not everybody hates us. Most people that live uh, in the city here, they actually like us. Uh, and they need us, you know, for, uh, to, to feel safe. So we kept getting out of the cars. We kept engaging more foot patrols. Uh, we would have uh, different community events where we would go into some of the, the toughest parts of the city with the most challenging issues. And we would have a barbecue and we would feed, you know, hundreds of people in the neighborhood, and all kinds of people would come out, and we'd have music, and we'd set up basketball uh, backboards and play, you know, some basketball with people and the kids. And it really just broke down a lot of barriers between the residents and the police department. And because, let's face it, we as the police can only do so much. We need the community. We need the, the good, hardworking men and women of, of our city, of any city, to help us. If we don't know there's a problem in a certain area, we have to have communication, two-way communication, so that we can get in there and address certain things. Um, You know, we can't arrest ourselves out of poverty. Um, We can't lock everybody up. That's not the answer. And Chief Thompson, back in 2012 and 13, he realized this, and that that took on our, our philosophy of service before self and getting out there and truly doing community policing. So, Tom, as you're talking, um, I think it's also important, given where we are on the environment of uh, Black Lives Matter, I think it's important to point out, uh, if you could in this conversation, a little bit about Scott Thompson. So, Chief Thompson, uh, he was the the chief of police uh, for Camden City for a number of years, um, and he had a vision of the city uh, that he spent so much time here on the streets, you know, coming up as a young officer and then a supervisor and then eventually the chief of police. And he saw such potential that Camden had uh, because Camden was like a hub in South Jersey once upon a time. I mean, this was just a a city flourishing. And then over the years and decade and various uh, socioeconomic issues, like most cities, it's, it kind of just went downhill, and it was a, a haven for drugs and crime and, and all kinds of things like that. But he saw the potential, and by changing things around, we've dramatically reduced our homicide rate. We're at a 60-year, I'm sorry, a 50-year low in, uh, in homicides. Our violent crime is down tremendously. Uh, and by doing that, by making Camden a much safer place, We've attracted a lot of new business to the city. Uh, Cooper Hospital has expanded uh, tremendously. We have Rowan University, Rutgers University uh, that have campuses here. Uh, Subaru has their northeastern headquarters here. Uh, And the list goes on and on. Because without public safety, no business, no industry is going to invest money and time and personnel into an area where it's not safe. So Chief Thompson knew that, and luckily the politicians recognized that as well, so they worked 
you know, very well together, and we just changed the culture of the police department. Um, and that's why eight years now, uh, after the creation of the new department, uh, crime is down, like I said, and it's it's flourishing. Uh, it, it's actually uh, pretty tremendous to, to see it firsthand. That's, that's so impressive. And I know now, like we're saying, you know, across the nation, people are looking at Camden, you know, as you, you know, completely started over again, and, you know, especially around, you know, the service before self and all the different practices. Um, one of the things that we wanted to kind of ask just to kind of, you know, get this uh, look into what really seems to have helped, what would you say, you know, today, what are some of the, the common emotions uh, of the officers as they go out? Because I know, as you said before, maybe in the past it may have been, you know, apprehensive or, you know, people aren't, don't appreciate what we're doing. But, you know, so for the f- folks who are out on, uh, you know, day-to-day, what would you say are some of their common em- emotions of the officers? Well, the officers themselves, we pride ourselves in training. And we have invested a lot of time and energy in starting in the police academy with when, you know, we have a brand-new recruit and ongoing training with the department uh, with, number one, the mindset, which is that we are here for the community. It is service before self. We view the community as an ally, not an adversary. Um, and, and secondly, our de-escalation uh, tactics that we use, and it's just we train over and over and over so that we can go to a, situa- a situation and de-escalate, I would say most situations can be de-escalated just from certain things from our approach to an individual that's in crisis or a criminal, being able to talk to them, exercise some compassion, utilize time so we don't have to rush things. And it's really helped us, uh, you know, overall. Um, people are safer, the offices are safer. Um, it's just a better quality of work life for our officers, knowing that they have an immense amount of training behind them and the full support of the administration as well. So, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about all of the training that our officers go through. Sergeant, as you look <clears throat> at what's been going on in the past the past few weeks, can you share one emotionally brilliant example of, of something that everybody can learn from? Just the right thing was done at the right moment. Yeah, so, so in my position, I'm in administration now, which means I'm behind a desk and I report directly to a deputy chief. And part of my responsibility is to review uh, all of the body-worn camera footage on uh, foot, foot chases, foot pursuits. So what I see is uh, teamwork, uh, the way that our officers will catch a, a suspect and just treating them uh, humanely. You know, sometimes you have to use force, like if someone's running from you, maybe you have to take them to the ground, and then you get the handcuffs on them. But that's it. That's the end of it. They're under arrest. Everybody is safe because that's the goal. Everyone needs to be safe, not just the officers, but the people that are now in our custody. That is our responsibility. They have to be safe. Um, so, you know, the old, the old school, you know, adage would be, you know, uh, you know, you take somebody down to the ground and they're going to put in a couple of uh, shots here and there you know, because they ran from the police. We don't do that. Uh, The body-worn camera has really, uh, I think, been a lifesaver because it shows the public how much training and how much thought our officers have when, uh, you know, even armed suspects, you know. When those handcuffs go on in our department, that's it. That's it. If the person under arrest, uh, you know, is suffering from some medical condition after that, 
We immediately render aid, whether that's on the scene, calling EMS or having them taken to the hospital to be cleared. Um, but that is how, that's how we do it. It's, it's a job, and our officers are very professional in that manner. So getting to your question, I'm going to brag about myself for half a second. So every once in a while I work the street, which I did yesterday. It was an overtime detail, uh, and, I, and I took it, so I was out on the street walking around our transportation center, which is notoriously a haven for homeless people and just people with time on their hands looking to do uh, up to no good. So I was walking around, and I saw uh, an older uh, man laying on the sidewalk. And uh, I didn't know if he had fallen, if he was sleeping, or what the case was. So I walked up to him, you know, asked him if he was okay, what was going on, and he said, no, he was okay. And I noticed that one of his sneakers was off. So I said, are you able to stand? You know, can, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah, I can get up. And I said, all right. I said, well, why don't you put your shoe on first? And, you know, that way you can stand up easier. And so he, he, he tried to put his shoe on, you know, with one hand. He was kind of stumbling, stumbling a little bit. So then I asked him, I said, I said, look, would you mind if I helped you, you know, with this? So he, he agreed. He was thankful. I untied his shoe, put it on his foot, and then, uh, you know, I retied his shoe, and then I helped him up, and then I sat him on a bench there, um, right there. Um, he thanked me, and I said, okay, you're all right, you know, you're all right, you know, you're good, you're, you know, yeah, I'm fine, thank you, Sarge, blah, blah, blah. And I went on my way. It was, you know, no big deal. It's stuff that I've done, I don't know how many times in my career, just helping other people. Well, I walked, I walked about 10 feet, and I was, like, swarmed with, with people waiting to get on the bus and the train and stuff like that, and they were like, Sarge, you know, that was, that was great. I can't believe you did that, da, da, da. I didn't, even think, I didn't even think it was a big deal, to be quite honest, because, you know, what I can't, as a police officer, I can't step over another human being lying on the sidewalk. I have to, you know, find out what's going on. And I just sure. help them, as that's what we do. So, yeah. um, so well, I'm hoping that, you know, oh, okay. Yep. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. So just hold that thought. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You're listening to leadership development news. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America business network. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking with the top Performer Sergeant Tom Collins here of the Camden Police uh, Department. And, Tom, you were talking about some of the training I think will be interesting for our audience around de-escalation. And it also kind of goes with, you know, what Kathy and I talk a lot about is emotional intelligence. A lot of times people talk about the amygdala hijack when someone's emotional domain is, you know, active. So from your training, mm-hmm. and maybe is there any examples, when you walk up and, and somebody is already activated, you know, it could be angry, it could be totally upset, um, what's those first things that you do, you know, especially from the background of training, like what, how do you de-escalate someone like that in the moment? So first let me answer that by saying one of the things that we teach 
all of our officers is first and foremost, you have to leave your ego at the door. Most people are not, you know, nobody calls the police and says, hey, I'm having a great day. See you later. No, something, something's gone wrong. Uh, they've lost control of their lives or a situation, and then they call us and, and we show up. So we teach our, our officers, leave your ego at the door. The people are not going to be angry at me, Tom Collins, because they don't know who I am. They're going to be angry at the uniform that the police showed up, and especially with all the stigma going around the country right now, you know, that, that could be an issue, especially uh, in a, in a impoverished urban environment. So that so that's the first thing. The second thing is is that, you know, obviously if there's a, if there's a safety concern, we want to, you know, make sure that people that aren't involved or are, are not around there uh, or what have you. So let's just say those things are, are taken care of. A lot of times people are just want to they want to be heard or they want to vent and they're just talking. They're not threatening anybody. They're just yelling and screaming and, and for whatever reason. So we don't try to outshout anybody. We, try, we, tr- we, t- we teach our officers, stay calm, stay with a low tone. This is not, uh, you know, a shouting contest. And we just give people a couple of minutes to vent in most cases. And that usually will take them down a couple of notches where we can now have a conversation with somebody. If your emotionality is going through the roof, your rationality is in the basement. So we are trying to strike a balance where your emotionality and your rationality are balanced so that when I actually say something to you, you're actually hearing what I'm saying and you can respond instead of just, you know, being so emotional and just yelling and yelling and yelling. So we found that, you know, giving giving a person a chance to vent, obviously in a safe environment, um, will really calm people down and let them de-escalate on their own. Um, again, the ego is the biggest, the biggest uh, hindrance, I think, uh, in, in law enforcement. And I would teach, when I was a, a street sergeant, I would teach my, my, uh, my squads, they know we're the police. We show up in a, in a uniform. We've got shiny badges. It says police everywhere on the cars. They know who we are. We don't have to try to exert our authority and then let our egos get involved and be like, well, you're not listening to me. Then, you know, I automatically have to, you know, tackle you to the ground or, or use some other force. Um, so that's, that's what we, we try to do. Time, uh, time is definitely on our side. Go ahead. What, I was just going to ask you just to follow up. What about, so now you let them vent, and this goes along with Kathy, what, you know, what we would teach. You let them vent. What about kind of listening, reflective listening, you know, to kind of let them know that, you know, you really, you did hear them. I mean, what kind of training do you have around uh, giving back what you just heard to them, which, again, probably I imagine would help them calm down? Right, so we, we teach active listening, which is basically the same thing, reflective listening, and then yep. being able to parrot back to them what they're saying so they know, you know, so it's like, okay, so why, you know, why, are you, why are we here today? Oh, well, you know, my landlord wants to throw me out of the house or whatever. Oh, okay, so, but your landlord wants to throw you out? All right, tell me more. And then now, now you can develop a conversation with that individual. Sometimes something as simple as, yeah, why don't you step outside and, and speak to me, especially now amidst the, the COVID pandemic, with all the training we initiated with, with COVID to keep everybody safe, that's one of the, 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 the tactics and tools that we use. Yeah, step on outside. Come on out here on the sidewalk and speak to me. And just kind of removing people from the space that's causing the angst or their anxiety, that tends to lower down the temperature in the room, so to speak, as well. So it's it's just in the approach. That w- that's what we found. Um, and it's just ongoing reminders, especially to some of our younger officers, you know, check your ego, be calm, be courteous, figure out the problem, offer solutions. You know, uh, we also have a policy in, uh, in, in Camden County here that uh, it's warnings over summonses. 
we've found over the years that writing, you know, a bunch of traffic tickets or about, a, you know, a bunch of uh, municipal summonses, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody. Um, you know, we, we, we try to educate verbal warnings, uh, things of that, that nature, and that also builds rapport between the community and the police department, that we're not out to get people. That's not what we're here for. Tom, when you uh, thought about how to renew, how to rebrand, uh, how to repurpose everything your organization had learned prior to transitioning to the force you are today, what was the most challenging emotion that you had to deal with and that you all had to face in order to make change happen? I I think just buying into what Chief Thompson was proposing, or not proposing, was mandating uh, for the new department, that there is a new way to do things instead of the old showing up to a scene uh, and I'm the police, I'm in charge, I don't want to hear anything from you, you know, your opinion means nothing, do as I say, that's it, and that obviously is not working anymore. And Chief Thompson, I mean, he knew that. Uh, so we just totally changed the way that, that we did things. And, 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 and it worked. It absolutely worked. Um, I'll give you another quick example, if, uh, if I can. So uh, a couple of years ago, we had an officer that conducted a pedestrian stop, and there were three uh, suspects. Um, and as he was waiting for an, uh, a backup unit to arrive, he ended up in a foot pursuit of one of the suspects and subsequently was shot uh, from the suspect. Suspect got away. Immediate reaction from every, every police officer. We want to shut that neighborhood down. We're in charge. We're the police. You're going to do as we say. Chief Thompson said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go into the neighborhood. We're going to have the biggest barbecue they've ever seen. And everybody at first was like, what? Are you kidding? The officer's fine, by the way. So uh, I made a, made a full recovery, and uh, he's, he's been back to work for a couple of years now. We went in there. We had the biggest block party that has ever seen, sponsored by us. What did that do? That showed the community there that the police department was not afraid it also showed them that this was the act of one young dumb kid who turns out didn't even live in the city. He was visiting somebody. We built rapport with those community members because they knew we weren't angry with them. They spoke to us, which led to information to arrest the suspect. So community you, policing in its true form works. Is that, yeah, in its true form. So when you think about what traits, are best moving forward into this new generation of policing that we'll see evolve uh, in the next couple of years. And you think about emotional intelligence uh, because you are, you know, in fact, somebody who is um, going to be moving into an, an area of uh, certification for that uh, type of approach. Can you talk a little bit about what you think the key emotional intelligence traits might be that you will start to look for uh, in your teams? Yeah, uh, I think going forward is, first and foremost, somebody entering law enforcement these days, you, you have to come with an open mind. There's way too many stereotypes out there of what cops should be or people think they should be. There's way too many movies that people get their references from and TV shows. And Camden is, is, is the prime example for that. If you come in with an open mind and you're willing to learn what policing is really about, we will teach you and we will teach you correctly 
which will lead to a greater success for you, your career, and also the community that you serve. And it's not just, you know, the wild, wild west like you see in movies and stuff like that. That, 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 that never existed. So that's first and foremost, an open mind and a willingness uh, to learn. Obviously, we look for things like uh, people that are uh, able to be empathetic, able to take constructive criticism, which we're finding with our millennial recruits. They're not real good with constructive criticism. Um, They view any criticism as an insult, and they tend to uh, shut down or close off. So we're we're working uh, with dealing with that uh, in an effort to make them understand that we're on your side. It's not it's not a fact that we know better because we're older. We've been doing this longer, which might be the case. But we've made every mistake in the book, and there's no reason for you as the new police officer to go out and make those same mistakes. So learn from the mistakes that that of the past that we've made, and this is what works. So uh, I I think with the emotional IQ, I think that would be a huge help to, you know, I mean, I don't know how it would incorporate, like, uh, in in every agency, but being able to take a baseline of an individual, I think, would be truly helpful for us going forward so that we know that this person is trainable. He's going to be or she's going to be a good officer that's able to serve the community and follow the, you know, our lead. Or this person really needs uh, to take a step back and look at themselves, do some personal inventory, and may, maybe some, uh, some self-help because they're not ready me- mentally to take on the challenge of law enforcement as we go, as we go forward. Well, that was so, Tom, very well articulated, yep. We're just going to go to a quick break. Yes, go ahead, Relly. I was going to say what you were going to say. So we're going to we're going to take a break, Tom. Uh, thanks for that, and then we'll come back and we'll look at any other these uh, EI competencies and maybe about you know any of the training around bias. So you've been listening to Leadership Development News Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. You know, we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Are you a fearless leader? Fearless leaders stop at nothing to win while engaging others through positive action. Fearless leaders operate with a strong sense of freedom. They embrace the courage to fail. They respond to challenges with resilience. They operate from a higher consciousness and they excel through a mindset for success to increase everyone's ROL or return on leadership. You can too. Let Dr. Kathy Greenberg and a rare team of special operations coaches help you realize your full potential at fearlessleadersgroup.com. The Fearless Leaders Group applies a powerful coach approach beyond tools and techniques by fundamentally transforming a leader's core abilities and approaches to any business in as little as 90 days. Act now and receive a free bonus. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com. Take the free assessment and find out what you are truly capable of. Go to fearlessleadersquiz.com to find the fearless leader in you and discover how being fearless truly equals freedom. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network.
listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having an insightful conversation with Sergeant Tom Collins from the nation's model police department in Camden, New Jersey. Tom, when we went to break, you were talking about the emotional intelligence traits that are required, um, and you teach a class uh, for uniformed officers. Uh, I'd like you to talk a little bit about that and also how you contribute to their recognition of the need for impulse control and training on the subject of bias. Sure. So in 2016, I was selected to go to an instructor class for something called Fair and Impartial Policing, and that course was developed out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by one of their inspectors, which is like a deputy chief. And she and another uh, research um, doctor had put this together. And so we teach it to every um, graduating police recruit class that's coming to uh, Camden County. And what fair and impartial policing basically in a nutshell is... Uh, it's, it's teaching our officers to look at people and base, base their decision-making on behavior, not just uh, someone's appearance. So it's, you know, you get, it's one thing to look at a, a person and, you know, say, okay, well, you know, I don't know anything about this person. Uh, but it's a black male standing on a corner in Camden wearing a black hoodie, jeans, and boots. Okay, but what is he doing? What is he actually doing that you're observing? Maybe he's waiting for the bus. Maybe he lives there and he just came outside to get air or to make a phone call. The bottom line is, you know, and you, and you know, it, that's ambiguous stimuli. You know, we throw some big terms at the at the recruits to make them to make them think it's ambiguous. Well, what, well, big deal. Who cares? So somebody's wearing a black hoodie. There's a thousand guys in in, in any city right now. Well, maybe right not now with the weather, but that's what that's what people wear. That's that's common. I have a black hoodie. So we try to teach and we we really stress the importance of what behavior because behavior is what we're looking at. Um, now, is he out there and, and minding his own business, or is he out there and engaging in brief conversations with people as they're just passing by and he's shaking hands with everybody? Well, those are probably hand-to-hand narcotics transactions, and now, based on the behavior, yes, you need to approach and you need to engage that individual and see what's going on. So, I mean, that's, that's an eight-hour class condensed into, you know, two minutes. Um... But that's that's the biggest thing that we that we do is look at people's behavior. When you go and you're speaking to somebody, how are they standing? Are they trying to conceal part of their body, or are they just talking to you? You know, normally, maybe they're angry about what's going on in the world, and they just want to yell at the first cop they see. Let them yell. Let them yell. Who cares? Let them vent. Let their emotionality come down. If they do something else or if they do something threatening or say something threatening, okay, well, then we take it to the next level and, and we, uh, you know, we take an action, whatever that uh, situation dictates for. So I think by doing that, it lowers the anxiety, especially of our newer officers, because um, we do have officers that are from the city and, you know, they know the area better. But we have a lot of officers that, are, they want to come to Camden because of what we're doing, and they want to be a part of of all the success that we've had. So they're coming from you know other areas, suburbs, and and what have you. So they don't know the area. So 
by giving them some tools and, and some tips and a mindset to go out there, now they have more of a, an ability to go up and, and, and talk to people and address, you know, what's, what's happening. Um, as far as impulse control is concerned, we have, uh, there's only two in the state. And in the basement of our police department, we have uh, a virtual 360-degree shoot-no-shoot simulator. So it's basically a, a, a movie screen that it, it goes around, it takes up a, a fairly large room. It goes around uh, the person 360 degrees, and different scenarios are put on there. Uh, the officers that go through the training, which is everybody in the department, they have a, a, a gun, which is similar to their duty weapon, except it's hooked into the computer system and it shoots a laser. And there's, there's just countless scenarios that we can run through um, from active shooter drills uh, to traffic stops to domestics, you name it. And you have to talk to the screen as if you were, you know, to the, the actors on the screen, the officers have to talk to them as if they're in a live scenario. And sometimes the scenarios, the officers have to use deadly force and shoot. And other times it can be resolved based on their words and their de-escalation techniques, and the scenario ends peacefully. Um, most police departments don't have that, uh, but thankfully because of the leadership role we've taken with community policing and de-escalation, we were able to, uh, to get this uh, incredible training that everybody gets. So we have a lot of classroom and then an opportunity to actually put it into practice where you may have to draw your gun and, and, and use it. Tom, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, just that simulator. Like how many, like say for a new recruit, how many hours would they have in front of that? Because, you know, that's that live stimulation and then their, their action reaction to that. You know, what does that look like it's just as far as, you know, hours of training? Do they just do it once or is it over and over? Um, yeah, so initially, the, now this is after they've graduated the police academy. So they've already um, have qualified with their regular firearms, so they know, you know, and a lot of re police recruits have never shot a gun before. So they know what it feels like to shoot a gun. So then we put them in this, this training simulator, uh, which it, it, it depends on the, the, the group, but I, I believe, I want to say it's about eight hours, it's about... Um, it's not all done at one time, too. It's broken up because there's only so much, you know, this type of training you can do at one time. And it's just running through scenarios. And, uh, you know, obviously some officers, uh, you know, catch on quicker. And you can see their decision-making and their thought process uh, has evolved, you know, more rapidly. And there's other officers that it takes a little bit more time until they're comfortable. And you can see the progression in their decision-making and, uh, you know, so they might get a little bit of extra training, just like any other aspect. Um, but yeah, no. I well, mean, Tom, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to Tune Up Leadership Development News. You've been listening to Leadership Development News: Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.